1: Well, TJ, there's really no beating around the bush. The conversation uh, pretty much everywhere is about Dan Campbell going for it, uh, going for the field goal, instead of picking between going for it on fourth down, fourth and four at the end of the game, or punting and trying to pin Minnesota down you know, on their side of the field with a you know Pro Bowl caliber punter and no timeouts. Um your initial reaction on the field when it happened?
2: I was worried. I was. I mean, uh, you know, your kicker already missed what, a 48 yard earlier in the game, and both Minnesota's kicks that they missed were going in the same direction. Now, I know we talked about it a little bit on the radio. The Minnesota, like in the corner of their their stadium, they have these giant sliding doors. right? And they had them open, and down on the field, you can kind of feel a little breeze. Right? And... Minnesota's kicker missed two long ones, both right, and Seibert had the pretty much the same kick, fifty-four yarder, same end zone, missed it wide right. Like that's what I was concerned about. Like uh, I don't know if these guys, because you couldn't see the flags moving, but on the field you could definitely feel something. I think that affected the ball, um, but I didn't like it only because you had a chance to take a kill shot. You know what I mean? You had a chance to just step on the other team's throat and say. We're into this thing on our terms, right? Yeah. We're either getting this for, we're either getting this this first down on fourth, or you know what, so be it. We don't get it. We're gonna step up and play some defense. I thought, um, I thought it was just it was odd because Dan Campbell was so aggressive the entire game, and the only reason that they were up two scores, you know, in the fourth quarter was because he was being aggressive. Lions first touchdown drive, uh, they had a fourth and one conversion. Lions second touchdown drive. They had two fourth down conversions, right? So the only the only reason that you're in that game in the position that you are is because you've been being aggressive. Yeah. Now you got a chance late in the game to do the same thing, be aggressive, go put your foot down to the pedal, go Work. do it. And and the fact that the fact that he took it out of the offensive hands um, for me was just uh, look, it, it I I didn't I didn't mind the field goal attempt because if you're getting a, if you're getting three points there. Okay, now you know they need a touchdown. You're kicking off, right? They're not starting at the 44 yard line. All that good, shit, right? I understand that, but just the way you were coaching that game and the way you had your players kind of dialed up as we're playing aggressive, we want the ball, we're ending this game with the ball in our hands, and to just kind of flip flop when the game's on the line for me was uh, it just it didn't make a lot of sense.
1: Well, and what what's frustrating for me is you and I both know Dan. And his nature is to be more aggressive. And so I try and and figure out after the game is over and we know the results, like why would you be aggressive at all of these different points throughout the course of the game? And then when you get down to a moment where I think most people actually wanted him to be aggressive and go for it, Um, and, and even those that are more conservative, more old school and say, okay, well, let's play what we think is the odds game. Uh, let's pun it. Like, I don't know that there was very many people that said, yeah, let's kick a field goal. Yeah. Let's go for a 54 yard field goal because like it's, it, it, Siebert is not one of the, at least not known for one of being one of the better kickers in the NFL. He's not one of the worst, but he's not one of the best. And and you brought up a, an interesting scenario. What type of conversation would it be if the ball was on the twenty five yard line?
2: Yeah, and you're looking at, at the a forty one yard field goal Scenario to, yeah.
1: presented itself. Yeah. How many people would say because basically at that point you're not putting the ball. Right. You're at the twenty five yeah, yard line. You got two choices now. You got two choices. You're gonna kick it or you're gonna go for it.
2: I think make I think most people would tell you to kick field goal. Yeah. Right. Take the three points. And hey, you know, I know we're up six, but that at least takes them out of playing into field goal range and making the other team go down and score a touchdown. Right. That changes the whole situation. That's why for me, was it risky? Uh, It was. Uh, Is a 54 yard kick in the NFL in a dome uh, an extremely hard kick? I don't think so. Um, That's why for me wasn't the most egregious decision that. I think we saw during the game. Um, But you go back to the previous possession, John, and Detroit had the ball. They started off like, God, I think there was close to eight minutes left in that game. Um, They go 10 plays, 48 yards. They take four minutes off the clock. It's 24-21. You drive down, it's fourth and one at Minnesota's 30. If you didn't kick a field goal then, why are you going to kick the field goal the next drive? You know what I mean? You had an opportunity there to make it a six-point game yeah. with uh, what would have been 3.30 left in the game, now forcing Minnesota to go do the same thing, go down and score a touchdown. So we saw an aggressive play call again, fourth and one at the 30, right? Jamal Williams gets stuffed for no gain. De- de- Minnesota's defense made a play. But for me, it's the same decision. It's the same decision. If you want to yeah. kick the field goal and go up six, you had an opportunity to do it the previous drive. Now you got an opportunity. Now the pressure's on, right? It's fourth down. Oh, if we don't get it, right? We're giving them the ball back. Okay, you know, it's just you. You've got to be, you've got to be numb and you've got to be calloused as a coach in those high pressure situations to just not get outside of your identity. And I think we saw it. We saw it happen a couple times yesterday. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say Dan Campbell cost them a game. I know he certainly came out and said he regretted that decision, which is easy to do <laughs> if it doesn't oh, yeah, go in. It doesn't it's, in. Work. it's the yeah. same thing There's we saw. You decisions know, decisions we regret, right? That, that same, don't work. Same thing we saw. You know, Denver week one, that field goal goes in, nobody's talking about. Field goal doesn't go in. Damn, maybe I should have went for it with Russell Wilson, right? Um, <laughs> so hindsight's always easier. I'm not. I'm not going to put this loss completely on Dan Campbell because the players also had a chance, uh, many chances. Offense had the, had two chances late in that game to go out there and get a first down and really, really bleed that thing out. Defense had a chance uh, late in the game, too, to get a stop. You know what? Yeah, they need a field goal. They're already starting to the 40-yard line. Who cares? Somebody step up and make a play. Um there were a couple decisions in there that certainly hurt him, but I don't think necessarily Dan Campbell cost him the game.
1: No, and and we'll talk about some of the positives here in a minute. But you bring up an interesting thing, uh, Denver. Uh, we all know what happened week one. They end up kick-trailing, going for a field goal instead of relying on Russell Wilson to pick up a field goal or to pick up a first down. And their coach came out and said the same thing. You know, in hindsight, <laughs> had to do over, I'd go for it. Um, You know, Dan Campbell says it's, I, I regret that decision. Uh, but then Denver goes and hires somebody to analyze those game time decisions. Uh, a ga- Basically a game manager. Yeah. Do you think there's value in that? Or is that, for back of a letter, letter, better term, is that too much big government? Is that over-legislating? <laughs> like babysitting? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you've got a coach that should know, what he wants and be able to make that decision in that moment. Yeah. Instead of always having somebody in his ear. Because I, I think, you know, as I mentioned, you and I both know Dan. He knows what he wants, knows what he wants to do. I don't even, even if you have a guy that is, you know, in his ear about clock management or about game management and decisions at the time, you think he's actually even going to listen to him?
2: Well, You would hope so. You would hope so, but at the same time. Do you need it? um, Gosh, man, that's tough. I I think Dan Campbell, look, I think the thing that we love about him and the players that that love about him is the fact that he is who he is and he is aggressive. Um, And you look at that game yesterday and, look, if you've got somebody in your ear, uh, you know, and it's fourth and two, you know, from Minnesota's 45, they're probably telling you to punt the ball. Yeah. Dan Campbell says, <laughs> "Screw you! I'm going for it." They pick up the first down. They go score a touchdown. Right now, you're probably, you know what I mean. There's a trade-off there. There's a yeah. trade-off. You don't want, you don't really want to, gosh, neuter Dan Campbell in some of those decision makings, uh, decisions that he makes about being aggressive. Uh, but there are certainly times where, I think everybody looks at it and says, "Okay, coach, you know you." <laughs> you've gotten the last three, you know, maybe this time we use our all pro punter and pin him back. You know, the yeah. Minnesota hasn't really been driving the ball. We've been giving them the ball at the 40 yard. Maybe this is a good time to punt it back. You know, um, I don't think it would hurt much, but at the same time, you don't want, you don't want Dan Campbell to lose that identity. Right. And I think, uh, there's been times obviously last year where, uh, people loved his aggressive play calling and it won him a couple games last year. Um, you know, I, th- I know the players love going for it on fourth down because that's just a coach just saying, you know what, I trust you guys, go out there and make a play. Um, so you don't want to, you don't want to really temper that down too much. Yeah. But I think there's definitely some some instances where it's like, okay, coach, maybe this is the better decision because he's just a guy, he's an emotional guy. I think Dan Campbell makes those decisions like he tells you, just like from his gut. You know, my gut tells me to do this, my gut tells me to do that, where. If you have somebody else that says, I know your gut tells you to do this, coach, but it's very risky. And if we don't get it, it's yeah. going to be bad, you know, and, and maybe there's a we, we, we don't use our gut in this situation. Maybe we use the analytics. Maybe we use our head a little bit and say, you know what, we're not going to do the risky thing. And I'm going to trust the other, uh you know, I'm going to trust our defense to go out there and get a stop. There's certainly instances where that would help.
1: Now, TJ, we don't. There, there's plenty of negatives that we can always talk about when you lose a game. Let's talk about some of the positives um, You know, in regards to they did pick up some of those fourth downs. They were aggressive. They went up 14-0. They had double-digit leads at different times during this game. Coming into the season, you and I were probably a little more bullish on this team than most. We thought anywhere between eight and nine wins. And when you look back, These are the games that are gonna be frustrating. But what are some of the positives that fans can look at this and say, you know what? Coming into the season, even if they thought they were gonna be one and two, and Washington was that game, hey, they've done what they that we thought they were gonna do. They lost to Philly, they lost a division game on the road, probably more than anything, it was on the road in Minnesota, but they won at home against Washington. Yeah. Like what are some of the positives through three games, not just in this game that that Lions fans can take away from what where the Lions are.
2: Well, I think the first one that sticks out, and this should be music to every fan's ears, is Jeff Okuda. I oh, mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of questions going into him, right, going into year three, uh, missed a bunch of time, hurt coming off an Achilles. Yep. A lot of people, oh, he's going to lose the explosiveness, lose the speed uh go out week one and shut down Devonte smith look what Devonte smith's done the last couple weeks well, by the way this weekend, he was <laughs> uh you go out week two and you're matched up with terry mclaurin now i know he made a couple catches right guys like that are going to make plays but he didn't beat you right he didn't he, they didn't he didn't give up the big play uh and yesterday i mean uh coach told us hey they gave amani thielen and which meant jeff had uh justin jefferson and what did jefferson do three catches for 18 yards i think it was you know and uh that, for me, is a huge step forward. Um, that's something that this team has been lacking, quite frankly, just that corner that you can put out there and say, go win, man, and don't get beat. And he didn't get beat yesterday. And uh, and he's making some really nice tackles, too. He's still being aggressive in the run game, which I absolutely love. So I think that, that for me, throughout uh, not only yesterday but the first three weeks is just a huge sigh of relief that we finally – Jeff Okuda is finally starting to play to his potential, right? And I don't even think he's there yet. I think he still has so much room to grow. But um, that that for me has to be the biggest positive. Second thing I look at is, look, I think Jared Goff's playing good football. That's what I was. I think say. he's playing really good football, man. I think yesterday uh, officially there were no sacks, and I think there were two hits. Um, there probably would have been three or four if he hadn't use this feet and kind of move the pocket a little bit and scramble and, and kind of that improvising and and making plays happen. That's something that we haven't really seen from him in the past. Um, uh, I I think that's been a very big positive as well. And that's a reason why they've been in every game. That's why they had a chance to win yesterday. That's why, uh, you know, the, the big, big, big reason why they beat Washington. Um, that's so a huge positive for me too, and I think look, he can he can continue to get better, you know what I mean. He can continue to make better decisions on. It's third and eight. Maybe I'm not going to throw that five yard pass. You know, let me go yeah. for a kill shot. Let me go for a dagger. You know, and and get the ball, force the ball downfield. And there was one yesterday that man just, ah, uh, the throw to the throw to Reynolds. You yeah. know, Reynolds just looked up and and when he was in that position, he just kind of peaked up and, and and lost the ball in the in the sun. And that probably would have been a touchdown. That was a well-thrown ball. Oh, yeah. um, so I like the fact that he's taking chances, getting the ball downfield. I think he's playing playing pretty good football. The third thing for me, you know, I think offensively, man. I, I think sticking with the offense, the offensive line has been really good. They have. When you have an offensive line like that, you are going to be in every single game. Uh, when you're able to run the ball, Jamal Williams gets his first, you know, Big-time action, 20 carries, 87 yards over four pop, two touchdowns. Uh, You know, they they ran as a team for 140 yards again. Uh, You know, you control the line of scrimmage like that. Jared Goff didn't get sacked. You control the line of scrimmage like that, you're going to give yourself a chance to win every single game. So, for me, I would say those are the three things that probably stick out right now after three weeks. And... um, this is, and that's what this team needs. That's what this team needs.
1: Yeah, and I, you know what? I'm going to piggyback on one of yours, and that is Jared Goff. When you look at what he's been able to do at the end of last year, but more specifically the beginning of this year through three games, he's thrown seven in, seven touchdowns. He's got two interceptions, but the one at the end of the Minnesota game, I'm going to kind of give him a mulligan yeah. on that one. You're just throwing that one up, hoping that somebody goes and makes a play. You're, you're, you're praying for a miracle at that point. Uh, the interception earlier in the season against Philly that was returned for a touchdown that seemed to me that was more on Jared Goff that seemed to me to be a miscommunication between him and TJ the ball was tipped it yeah was, you know, and it was, he it got drilled too as he yeah. threw it so I mean we could you know we can rationalize a lot of those I, I still put that one on him but operating this offense and hitting open receivers and hitting crossing routes like last year it was well, he's just a guy that's going to check down. He's not been a guy this year that's been checking down. Yeah, he's done it when required because of what the defense has given him, but he's also been a guy that when you do see Amon Ross St. Brown coming across the middle of the field, he he takes that shot and gets, gets the ball downfield. We've seen it to DJ Shark at the beginning of this game. We've seen it to other guys, and I like the fact that, and when I say I'm going to piggyback off of that, Ben Johnson – in finding out and building that relationship with his quarterback, finding out what plays he's comfortable running week in and week out. Because there's going to be plays that they run every single week, routes that they run every single week because Jared Goff is comfortable. But then finding new ones against the defense that Jared Goff feels comfortable running. And then also comfortable in terms of, hey, what are the protections? Where, where do I have to get this ball out? And I am going to check down because they're bringing one more than we got. I know that we're not blocking the guy off the edge or the corner or the safety coming or the linebacker. Uh, I think that they've done a good job of constructing this offense to be explosive and and provide explosive opportunities. And let's not forget, they're, what may be their most explosive receiver still haven't st- hasn't stepped foot on the field. Yeah. And that's Jamison Williams, who's still recovering from the ACL, Hopefully, in the next few weeks, we'll get an indication as to when he might be back. I'm not expecting in the first couple of weeks that he is back that he'll have a huge impact on games, but you add another weapon to this offense, and it's an offense that scored 35 points, 36 points, 28 points. And there were, there were in each of one of those games, the first couple of games, you, you heard the offense post-game, we could have scored 50 points.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: We didn't hear it so much in this one, but the opportunities were there. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I, I've been very pleased with what I've seen from Ben Johnson, very pleased with what I've seen from uh, Jared Goff. Now, the run game, it, it, it's still been productive, but... DeAndre Swift, and this has been kind of him his mo. He's a guy that that gets banged up, and you expect it from running backs. How much of it is he's banged up and can't play through it, or he's banged up and should be able to play through some of these injuries?
2: Well, it's hard anytime you have, uh, you know. I think the last couple of weeks he's been dealing with an ankle injury. Right. I mean, and for when, his game, I understand For his game. That, that's yeah. With, with just how shifty he is and putting the foot in the ground and planting and changing direction. Um, he was definitely on a pitch count yesterday against Minnesota. He was definitely on a pitch count against Washington. You know, I think he only had four or five carries that game. Um, so it's definitely, it, you can tell it's definitely impacting him. And I think there was a report that said, you know, somebody saw him walking out with his, you know,
1: shoulder arm
2: kind of wrapped up like it might be a shoulder issue. So, uh, that's that's concerning. And that's, I mean, we've been talking about this for the last couple of months. DeAndre Swift has potential to be uh, one of the most explosive players in the NFL. It's just the health, right? It's the health. And considering the fact that even though he was on a pitch count, he still gets beat up. And it's just like, man, like he, they're a different team with him not on the field. And you can either even say the same thing. I think uh, Amon Ra getting, you know, his ankle kind of twisted there definitely hurt him late in the game too. Because... We saw that last pass that he caught. You know, he just catches it and immediately goes down. Like he, it was almost like he didn't even want to try to plant. You know, off that ankle and, and get any extra yards, which you don't see from him. I mean, he's a guy that just builds up those yak yards and makes plays get makes guys miss. So, not having those two guys fully healthy at the end of that game definitely hurt. Um, but yeah, with DeAndre, man, it's just it. it sometimes and people. Like you, you, you injure the, you, you label these guys, right? Oh, he's always injured. He's always injured. It's not the player's fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? The player's not trying to get rolled up on in a pile. The player's not, you know, you're not trying to go out there and, and get hurt, right? Sometimes it happens, man. It's the NFL. Everybody's going to get hurt. And with DeAndre, I think just the injuries that he's had have unfortunately uh, limited his not only availability, but also limited what, what he can do. Um, his kind of special powers, you know, what he does. Yep. And when he's not available for this team, they're just not the same offense.
1: No. And now, so uh, we wanted to focus a little bit on the positives, Some of the negatives. Um, defensively. Yeah. Three plays at the end of the game. Minnesota goes down, scores a touchdown. Some of that is, is on Aaron Glenn. Some of it's on the players on the field. Some of it is on Dan Campbell because he took a timeout right in the middle of that damn
2: yeah, after the first drive. play.
1: That, that, that yeah. one drove me nuts. I know it drove you nuts, too. But um, what is the defense playing better in week three than it was in week one?
2: It didn't look like it yesterday. No. Um, you know, obviously a more traditional run game than what uh, you saw in Philly. I mean, you're not going to see a read option for a while. Um but, no, I think the biggest concern for me yesterday was the digression that the defensive line took coming out of the Philly game. You know, you sack Carson Wentz five times. Uh, you hit him, like, another 16 times, something crazy. Um, you know, you stuff. I think Antonio Gibson had, like, 10 carries for 20 yards, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you're coming off of a really, really solid performance. And then yesterday uh, couldn't couldn't get off blocks. Dalvin Cook was just running for five, six yards before he got touched. Uh, there seemed to be absolutely no pressure at all until the couple times they called you know blitzes i think Angeloni had the one sack and they might have hit Kirk Cousins maybe two or three other times yeah. um but it the fact that was that for me was was the most disappointing thing about this defense was the fact that uh you you finally built something in there in Washington right and you come out yesterday against a Let's call it what it is, a pretty average offensive line. And they just completely whip your ass. I mean, that's just the facts. You know, I'm watching how many times I'm watching this run game and backside defensive ends just getting completely wiped out of the play by a tight end. It's like watch the best defensive ends in the in the freaking NFL. Tell me how many guys, tell me how tight ends can block those guys one-on-one. Not many, you know. And you're watching it with Hutchinson. You're watching it with Charles Harris. You're Watching it with Okara, well, we and it's just like it guys, like it's just it like with TJ Hawkinson
1: when or or any tight end, right. when how many times like t- there's a key yeah. moment, and we were like, Why would you put a tight end? Yeah, you're on trying a to you're end.
2: trying to cut off, uh, you know, Brandon Graham on the backside with TJ Hawkinson, and he yep. blows it up for a minus three hurricane. you know. Yesterday, I mean, I, I, I still got to go back and watch the film, but just watching it live and kind of keying in on that defensive line. There were too many guys, just it kind of seemed like. Where was Hodge? Oh, I did my job. You know, I had my gap where it's like, that's not good enough. Like, get your gap, get off the freaking block, make a play. There are too many times guys are just running into blocks and not disengaging or even attempting to make a play. It was like, I'll just, I'll run into this guy and hope the safety can get him. You know, it's like that. You want to be a big time player in this league? You got to make plays. And it's not just, you know, oh, my responsibility is the B gap. I was in the B gap. Like that's that's not good enough. You know what I mean? Now you gotta make plays. Now you gotta get off the blocks. Now you gotta take that next step and and be productive and stop guys. And Aiden Hutchinson, I think, was he he got shut out on the on the stat sheet. Zeros across the board. Um for me that just and look, we know he's beat up. He didn't practice a couple times this week, so whatever injury he had was probably still bothering him yesterday in the game. But uh welcome to the NFL. Yeah, welcome to the NFL, man. <laughs> Every I know it's only week three. You think everybody? You think you Nobody know Minnesota? Do you think everybody on their team felt yeah. great? No, I mean everybody's beat up. So uh, I'm not freaking out about it. Not making it bigger than than it has to be because I think we talked about last week. You expect these rookies, uh, Rodrigo and, and Hutch. Um, you expect that roller coaster. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. How do you how do you bounce back? How do you build off of good performances? Those are things that they're going to learn with time. Um, but yesterday was. That might have been the most disappointing thing for me yesterday was just seeing the defensive line, uh, quite frankly, uh, get abused. They, yeah. ju- they did not really have an impact in that game whatsoever. So how does this team recover
1: and and welcome the Seattle Seahawks to Ford Field?
2: Well, you got to be realistic. you know, you got to be realistic. It's week three, right? You just finished three games. You're one and two. Um, I know it hurts. It sucks. Monday, yeah, those guys going in. It's just a bad day. You know what I mean? Not only because you lost, but the fact that you gave it away. You literally took that W and you tossed it over to them and say, nah, you guys have it. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's not like – in some ways, John, it's almost like if we're going to lose, I'd rather get my ass beat, you know, going there Monday, just, all right, let's completely start over, guys. Whatever we did yesterday didn't work. Let's get back to work. When you lose a game like that, that you just threw away in your team that's trying to – get over the hump. I mean, like all I kept picturing yesterday uh, after that game was that shot of Dan Campbell in hard knocks where he brings a pair of pants out and it's got all that in it and he's trying to, you know, shake it out and say, we got to get all this out of our pants. Like yesterday was a prime example of them just still having some of that in their pants. You know what I mean? That they just haven't quite shook out yet because – This is a team that when you talk about taking that next step, good, Washington last week, big win at home, right? You're one and one. Hey, man, you got a lot of people hyped up. The next step is how do you build off of that? How do you stack those successes? How do you crush a team when you've got them on the ropes late in the fourth quarter? you got to learn how to do that. And they're not there yet. And it's not a huge concern. But when you talk about how do you rebound, get ready for Seattle, you have to be realistic with yourself. You know, we should be a two. There's no shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? But realistically, that's a game you gave away. That's a game you should not have lost. Um, so I think you have to realize that there's some positives. You got to build off the positives. Uh, you got to keep, you know, whatever you're doing right, keep doing them right. But you got to find a way to get that killer instinct. And when those big pressure moments come late in the game and you got to make a play and it's fourth and one. Uh, and you get stuffed. You got to find a way to, to to make up for it. You know what I mean. And in the coaches, we've been aggressive all damn game. Uh, game's on the line now. What do we do? Uh, yeah. You kind of panic. You get outside of your identity a little bit, right? That those are things that they need to go away. They need to stop. And uh, for Seattle coming into town, look, is it a is it a must win game for them? I don't know. I mean, it's week four. You know, is it a should win game for them? I think yeah. a lot of people would say yes. But if you go, if you if you try to go out there against Seattle and you still got some of that in your pants like you had yesterday, uh, this is a team that's going to come in and beat you. Yep. Um, so I think, look, you have to be realistic. Are we happy where we're at, one and two, right now? No, we're not. Are we playing good football? Are we playing better football yep. than we were last year? Absolutely, hundred percent. So Monday is always the time where you kind of overreact a little bit. You get all that out. You flush it. Tuesday, Wednesday, you come back to work, and you say, you know It's new week, man. Let's just get back. Let's keep improving. We're back home, um, and uh, it's against a team that you should beat. And yeah. I, I think the, the the man. The thing that hurts the most for us being on the outside looking in is what what we could have had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Meaning, if you won that game yesterday, which we all agree you should have, you're two and one. You got Seattle coming into town. Oh, maybe that's three and one. Oh, we go to New England against a backup quarterback. Mac Jones is hurt. Oh, shit. Where can we be, John? You could be talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> a 4-1 and one football team heading into the bye week. Yeah. Now, you're not going to get there, but you know what? Getting back to 2-2 two and two this week, yeah. that's the only thing that matters, right? That's the only thing that matters. Get to 500 after uh, after the first quarter of the season, like coaches like to say, and, and start rolling from them. But this is going to be a game that they've got to learn from. They've got to learn how to finish games.
1: I think the most disappointing thing that happened this weekend didn't actually happen on the field.
2: I think it was. Don't talk about the steak again. Come on, man. Don't talk about the primary. John, I wish I would have taken a picture of it for you.
1: I wish you had too because now I'm, I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking that, you know, you, you might have had shit in your pants. You might have pissed right down your leg. You I got a nice big old juicy steak. Where, where was this at? Was it – it the place just, I like to go was called Manny's. Yeah,
2: that's where it was. It was yeah, Manny's? Manny's. Manny's, Minneapolis. You did finish the
1: steak from Manny's?
2: I, I, John, I already d- dressed this. This is the last time I'll dress it. I was bamboozled by the waiter. Oh. I think they played a prank on me. I'm looking at the steaks. They did and, you a favor. They and, did you a solid. And, and well, just, if I, yeah, they they ended up not because they've been taking for it ever since. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm usually a ribeye guy. You know, I'll get the a uh, good bone weird. in ribeye or you know a bone in fillet. That's kind of my go to for whatever reason. Saturday, I looked at the menu. I saw this. You know, hey, nice slow cooked prime rib. And I'm like, you know what? That sounds freaking delicious. So the waiter comes by, and I say, uh, you know, how big is this? Because uh, a lot of them don't have the size next to it. Yeah. And he said, well, the it's a bone-in prime rib, and it's norm. It's like 24, 26 ounce. So I say, okay, well, it's got a bone in it. Usually that's what, four to six ounces. Yeah, so sure. I'm looking at maybe 18 ounces of meat. This thing gets slapped down in front of me, John. I swear to God, if I had a scale, it would have been no, no less than three pounds. It was, it was the biggest piece of steak I've ever seen in my life. And I'm talking literally three inches thick. It looked like a freaking, it looked like he taped two catcher's mitts together and slapped them on my plate. Oh. And I was excited because it was really good. And I was enjoying myself, Little and we're sitting there, and you're having some cocktails, and you're drinking, you're having a good time, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm I'm eating, and I wasn't really paying attention, and I'm like, damn, I'm freaking stuffed, man. Like I feel like I just ate two pounds of meat. How much pressure? And did you I looked feel down at it? that thing, and it was not even half gone. And I'm like, this. is, I just, I can't. Like, I, there's no. I and I tried a couple of those last little, like, desperation bites. Yeah. That you know you shouldn't have, but you're like, <laughs> yeah. I gotta try. I got. to eat a little bit more of this thing, man. Gotta eat a little bit more. Able to stand up for a while. I don't even know if I ate half of it, and I was freaking uh, stuffed, dude. Were you there with Lomas? Well, Lomas was there. Dan, yeah, we had the crew, the radio crew, and a couple of the TV guys came over with us, and. Uh, it was a great night, but if I knew Lomas was going to freaking throw me under the bus for not finishing my meal, and talk to Lomas,
1: <laughs> you go know. to a steakhouse, what does Lomas get? Uh, these two little tiny, game.
2: these two little tiny petite pork chops. I'm like, oh, that's cute, Lomas. You're at a Wait. steakhouse and you get freaking pork chops. Yeah, Lomas so he wants to throw me under the bus. I'm going to throw the big fell under the bus too.
1: Lomas is at a steakhouse, one of the best steakhouses, maybe the best steakhouse Unbelievable. in Minnesota. Yeah,
2: probably. Yeah. Pork chops and
1: he orders pork
2: chops. It was disappointing. Uh, He likes to throw me on the bus. I said, you know what? If I would order eight ounce fillet, I could have finished finished it. it. It, Like you just ate your little baby bitch pork chops, but um, but here's the thing too:
1: some apple chutney on them.
2: I don't know what they had, but it was uh, it it was something like you would order for your kids, right? You know, like it should have been it should have been on the kids menu. Yeah, Um,
1: there's there's two ways to go. There's there's the child's plate and there's the senior menu. He obviously exactly. over ordered off of the senior menu. Yeah, he
2: ordered the yeah, he ordered the triple A rate uh, meal. But you know for me honestly, like I I do this every time I go to a steakhouse. I'm a huge appetizer guy. Like even if it's my wife and I, oh, I'm with you. I will order like four or five appetizers because I want to try everything. Oh, shrimp cocktail, yeah. Oh, oysters, hell yeah. Oh, look at babe, they got crab cake on the menu. Let's try a little bit of everything. And by the time I do that, and the and the entree comes, it's like uh-oh. <laughs> I think I outdid myself a little bit. Um but yeah, Lomas, I, I do not appreciate him throwing me under the bus for that. It was also the world's biggest free piece of freaking steak I've ever seen. Um <laughs> well. You ever seen like a like one of those tomahawk ribeyes? Oh yeah. It was like it comes two of its own handle. Yeah, it was like they duct taped two of those together. <laughs> 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 it was it was massive. It was massive. Oh, uh, and I I woke up at like uh you know, Minnesota's an hour behind here in Detroit. So I woke up. It was like uh, 6 o'clock, and I just had a freaking baseball on my stomach. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, the meat sweats, and you get the meat just kind of stuffed into one spot at the top of your stomach. It was, it was, it was a rough Sunday morning.
1: Well – Hey, it was, probably was a rough Sunday. It was a rough Sunday for everybody, a uh, rough Monday, but we will get through the week. And uh, it wasn't a bad day weekend for us. You were 2-2 uh, two and two on your picks. I was 3-1. and one. We'll have another episode at the end of the week. We'll make a few picks. We'll give you some keys to the game for uh, 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 Detroit's game against the Seattle Seahawks. So make sure you like, subscribe. Uh, send us some feedback as well, what you want to hear, maybe uh, some picks that you guys have. Uh, And we'll talk to you at the end of the week on Necessary Roughness.